and I'll I'll start five or six times. It's a good thing I'm not in theater because you don't get you don't get a chance to start five or six. One and done. Yeah. Everything about it is appealing. Everything that traffic will allow. Nowhere could you get that happy feeling when you are stealing that extra bow. There's no people like show people. They smile when they are low. Yesterday they told you you would not go far. That night you open and there Stay on your dressing room, they've hung a star. Let's go on with the show. I see trees of green, red roses too. I see them blue for me and you. Think to myself, what a wonderful Virgin Valley Artists Association welcomes you to The Art Box, recorded in beautiful Virgin Valley, Nevada, and sponsored by the Virgin Valley Artists Association. Our association has something for everyone. Come and get creative with us at 15 West Mesquite Boulevard, Mesquite, Nevada, and find us online at mesquitefineartcenter.com. Hi, this is Steve from the Art Box, and today we have the pleasure to interview Joy Craig. Joy is fairly new to our community. I think just moved here two years ago. She is a director. She's in theater, let me just put it that way. And Joy has a lot to tell us. Joy, you want to tell us a little bit about yourself? Sure, it's an honor to be here. I'm used to stage volume, so I hope I don't overpower the mic. Yes, I moved here. I'm a Californian. I moved, uh, I'm, we moved here, oh, two and a half years ago now and love it. But I am originally from Northern California near San Jose. I got involved, I fell in love with, well, first, my first love was dance. I, I saw the Nutcracker. When how, I was a, how, how old were you? Oh, you're going to tell five, me. About, about five, five years old. And I was entranced. I pestered my parents to get me into ballet class. And so that's where my my love of performing took off. I started dancing at five. But I was always that bossy little girl in the neighborhood who, you know, organized our games and, you know, we didn't we couldn't play cowboy and Indian. We had to play pioneer woman and and cowboys because I wanted to have a leading role. I organized plays in my backyard. I wrote plays. I just loved anything at school that had to do with performing or giving a presentation. I was there. I, you know, I was recruited into the gifted program. Of course, I was delighted to create a puppet show to one of the Beatles songs and Rocky Raccoon, I think it was. But anyway, I went to community college in Northern California. I majored in theater there and got to do some wonderful shows. Then I went on to um, major in theater at San Jose State University, and I was there at a golden time with a lot of really talented people. I also, I minored in dance, so I was very involved in dance, and I actually started assistant teaching dance while I was still at the university. I thought I was going to be an actress, hoped I would be an actress. I was I was already choreographing by that point. And I was getting cast in main stage shows, so I, I thought my chances were pretty good. I met and married my former husband, and we moved to Southern California to make it big. I immediately took like as many dance classes I could and studied at Joe Tremaine Studios and Dupre Studios, and I started teaching at several studios. The one I did the most at was Glendale Studio for Dance. So I was busy dancing, and I was I worked in industrials as a dancer. The acting thing, I pretty much decided I the rejection was a little hard for me, and I kept getting asked to choreograph shows. I kept doing that and I kept teaching. I worked at the Children's Museum in Los Angeles and I worked at Olson's Theatrical Supply and sold lights and 
strobe lights to Chuck E. Cheese and theatrical curtains and all kinds of stuff. I worked in an, for an educational film company that its big claim to fame was the, the Heimlich Maneuver film. Sales was just not for me. I did it for six years and I just thought, this is not me. What is me? And I thought, you know, I, I feel the, the most happy when I'm teaching and creating. And so I decided, you know, I'm going to go back to school and I'm going to get my teaching credential. That is what I did. My credentials in English with, uh, I, I'm, I'm qualified to teach English and drama. Got my first job at a uh, Catholic girls school in Thousand Oaks, California, Lorena. I taught drama there and I started the three dance teams. We were known for our big lavish musicals, talent shows. I mean, they were, you know, pretty well known and people really loved them. So I did that for like 13 years and then I wanted to move to a public school. I was encouraged to move to a public school and I was headhunted. Um, <laughs> oh, okay. Not encouraged from the nuns then. No, they wanted to keep me and I, I did okay. love them. But I was, then I just, then I kind of felt like it was a calling that maybe I, I had a, a gift I could share with, with, you know, quote, regular kids. Because the kids at, at Lorena were very privileged. Um, their parents could afford dance lessons, music lessons, every advantage that you could think of. And I thought public school kids don't have that avenue, most of them. Um, so I started teaching there and I taught there for, you know, over, well, 20 years. Um, and I did, I started a, the, a theater program that the program before was kind of small and insular, and I was known for big, huge cast musicals and plays, so that's what I started doing, and, and I did that for, a, you know, for a very long time, and I loved it. I love, um, I love working with kids, and at the same time that this was going on, I also worked for 10 years at the Park Melodrama and Vaudeville Company, so I would do my job teaching during the day and afternoon, and then at night I would go and work with adults at the Moore Park Melodrama, and that was a great time. I directed and choreographed there. I got paid very well, which was always nice. I learned a lot from doing melodrama theater. I had done it straight out of college. I was hired to do melodrama, to choreograph and act in a melodrama, a summer melodrama program at the Diamond Circle Theater in Durango, Colorado. And so I, I like that format. It, it's fun and I am not intimidated or afraid to talk to an audience, to work with an audience during a show. And that's where I learned that is from melodrama theater. I had a lot of fun doing that. And then I, then I had children and, it, and my free time got a little bit more, cut, it got cut down a little bit um, because I was raising small children and te still teaching full time and doing theater full time. In the high school, if you're, if you're a high school drama teacher, generally the way I do it, it was a seven day a week job because on the weekends we were doing set and giant musical numbers with everybody on Saturdays and set builds on Sundays, in the afternoons blocking and dance, and in the evenings music with the music director. So it's a, it's a giant time commitment. My kids grew up at rehearsals and they managed to get in a few shows as well. Oh, I bet they did? Yeah, that's kind of, I guess, uh, I, and then I, you know, COVID hit. I, I hated the way I had to teach during COVID I really did. <laughs> Is that when you retired? I retired because I just, it was just so many things happened and it just seemed like the right time. And we, we on a kind of on a whim, we, I, re, I had been researching places to retire. Del Webb Mesquite came up and I thought, well, what the heck, let's go check it out. So we did over during Christmas vacation. We really liked it, and they made us a deal we couldn't refuse. And here we are, and, we, and I'm, I'm very, very happy to be here. You know, it's surprising the people that have the same story as you, not, not the theater part, but as far as how they got to Mesquite. Mm -hmm. I'm not sure that we should tell anybody else. <laughs> I know. There's too many. I know. I, I think, well, we moved here because of development, and it, I thought, well, it's not very fair to say no one else can come, but... Yes, it is. <laughs> I do. I, I really do love the small town feel of it, and just the opportunities that are here. 
I was blown away by how much how much you, there is to do and how many ways you can get involved in um, just all the fun traditions that Mesquite has. Like even Halloween, I thought, does anyone celebrate Halloween as well as Mesquite does? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, it almost killed me, and we still have one more <laughs> night to go. Oh, man. what's it? Is it trunk or treat tonight? Or I, I don't know. I, I know that we have, we have never had a trick-or-treater at our house. Nah, I know. And this year, I heard that we might. Oh. So. Well, I, between Shriek Rica and the parade and trunk or treat at the Casablanca, just so much. Uh, and, I, and I know certain neighborhoods are stocking up their candy for, for trick-or-treaters. It's, it's just really wonderful. about your children. I have two. They're both adopted. I have a 32-year-old and a 22-year-old. Wow, 10 years. Oh yeah, yeah. They are both gifts. You know, I, I, I wasn't, I wasn't, uh, I, I didn't control the timing of those gifts. Uh, County of Ventura did. because that's where we adopted through County of Ventura, California. My son is back east in, um, in Boston, Massachusetts. My daughter is, uh, is finding her way and she is currently living in uh, Las Vegas, oh, okay. which I'm thrilled about. She's yes. not too far away. But she's, you know, she's at that stage where she's trying to figure out what she wants to do with her life. Does she want to be a businesswoman? Does she want to be a nurse? Did she did, thought she wanted to be in interior design and engineering. She's just really trying to figure that out, like we all do. Yeah, and I guess, can I say I'm jealous of someone who's 22 years old that they have all of this yet to look forward to? Oh, yes. I mean, that's part of I have to kind of pull myself out of it because I get so excited. Because I... I had no idea of all the wonderful careers there are. Every time I go to like look at a college, I get so excited. I thought, oh, if only I had another life, I might be in like I might do hospitality at Las, you know, at UNLV because it's just amazing. It's the best program in the world, probably. There's only one that one that competes with it. Yeah, it's so thrilling to see you know all the different all the places you could go at 22. So she's. She's afraid to make a mistake. Like, I think we all are, you know, big decisions. What if I choose wrong? You just got to jo- You got to go for it. You know, you do have the freedom. I, I know we don't think like this, but if you choose, quote, wrong, you can, you can do something else. You can say, that didn't work out, and try something new. You're not locked in. Because there's a lot of years ahead. Yeah. And even our age, I think, well, you can make choices and maybe they don't work out. Well, try something else. You're not stuck. I, and I, I find myself planning for a lot of years ahead. Yes. Although I know there's not a lot of years ahead, but for some reason my mind plans. Well, I think that's, 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 that's human nature. Yeah, I'm, I'm, having a, I'm having a really good time in my life. I didn't know what retirement would be like, but this is so much better than <laughs> I didn't see myself in a rocking chair, but this is what I've been able to do in Mesquite. It's just so much better than I imagined life could be like. Um, I never dreamed in a million years that I would be able to be up on a stage performing in retirement, and I am just thrilled about it. Yeah, and we should talk about why you're here. Okay. Because my wife went to a play, and it was called... Honky Tonk Laundry. Honky Tonk Laundry, and (laughs) guess who was starring in it? Joy Craig. And where were you playing? I was playing a a woman named Katie. Yeah, it's a two-woman show. I've been in, I think, three plays, maybe four since I've been here. And uh, you can't keep me down, you know. <laughs> my my wife goes to the play, and I'm sure I had something to do. And she comes back, you've got to get this one character. She called you a character. <laughs> you've got to bring her into the podcast. Well, a little research. Joy Craig. I wonder if she's related to Bob Craig, mm-hmm. who you will hear. Our listeners will hear in a an earlier podcast it'll probably air before joy's she dragged me to the play she didn't have to drag me i went to the play and we just had a great time 
and Joy, you were magnificent. Oh, thank you. And then I thought about it, and then you know, you're going to come on this podcast. And I started reading the form you filled out, and you are heavily influenced by Lucille Ball, Groucho Marx, Fred Astaire, Bushby Berkeley, and Vaudeville. Yes. And, and I will say, you were all of those <laughs> in the Honky Tonk Laundry. Uh, I'm glad those influences came out. Those are my, you know, some of my idols. <laughs> there you go. I was like, oh. I love I love physical humor. I I I just I love broad humor. I um, I know I should. Sometimes people like, you know, look down on that. It's lowbrow, but I I just I think it's genius. So I am really influenced by vaudeville. I am really influenced by Groucho Marx and even the Three Stooges. Although I was forbidden from watching them when I was a kid, uh, my father felt they were too violent. But I uh, I watched any. Sometimes I studied all like the the musicals of the 30s extensively for research and just because I love them. Um, so I I would break down Fred you know Fred Astaire's dances with the Ginger Rogers and solo dances and Gene Kelly, you know step by step and reproduce them. And I Busby Berkeley as far as you know patterns and formations. Uh, vaudeville I just. I like real wisecracks, maybe what might be considered corny humor now. I also love Bob Hope. I just found that stuff really funny, and um, I kind of absorbed it into myself, I guess, just because I've watched so much of it and studied it. I, I studied vaudeville a lot because I used to teach dance history, theater history, so I really filled myself up with those influences. So as a person who loves Durango, Colorado, you mentioned that mm-hmm. you were at a theater um, can you explain a little bit about that? Is it just was it a summertime thing? Or? It was. They had a program that they would recruit students from colleges to do um, to do. They did a, a two melodrama season in the summer. Durango's a big tourist spot in the summer. My ex-husband and I were chosen from San Jose State, and we had kids there from Missouri and uh, Texas and all over the place. And we did we did two shows and. We were not paid much, uh, but when you're you're young and you're fresh out of you know college with your theater degree, this was just a dream come true. They gave us a teeny little place to live, and we put up. We put when I say put up, that means you know put together a show in two weeks. Two of them, we rehearsed all day, and um, we were taught by a. A melodrama master named Orvis Grout. You know, it's a strange name. Orvis Grout, huh? he, melodrama master. He was. He he was. He's well known in the melodrama world, and he taught us. He was so strict, but he taught us how to do it and do it right. And we did the melodramas. We did maybe aren't the kind that we're familiar with here in Mesquite, but they were classic melodramas from the 1800s. Those tended to be very, you know, had a lot of, of drama to them and had a lot of pathos and they, they you know, they were tearjerkers. You know, it wasn't, they weren't seen as comedies so much. They were more, much more dramatic than I think, the, the, you know, than we think of in modern times. We did, a, we did Dracula and we did, um, oh my gosh, it was about an Irish patriot and my mind goes blank. It was a while back. But it was a play about an Irish patriot. So yeah, and we had a full like a, like a vaudeville afterward, where it was another another half hour show with dancing and songs and magic and anything else you could think of. And that's what I was used to in California as well. The we would do a sh- full show and then there'd be at, ha- at half an hour um, vaudeville afterward with additional singing and dancing. How fun! Yeah, it's a great night. Especially when you're serving pitchers of beer. <laughs> I was going to say, that's what I think. I think of the train, and I think of pitchers of beer when I think of Durango. Oh yeah. Colorado. Oh yeah, it's so beautiful there. It was it was a wonderful summer. Hey, so earlier when we were just BSing here, um, when you first came in, we were talking about mistakes. Yes. Um, and then and, and then which got us to me asking you. Um, that you have to learn lines. Yes. And I wondered how you could be so free with everything because I would be so worried that I'd miss a line. And you were kind of telling me about that. Do you want to you retell that? 
Sure. Well, those of you who saw one of my performances for this recent show <laughs> know that mistakes really do happen. Like, I fell off the stage, and I'm okay, by the way. Line learning, for it, yes, it's part of the work of being on stage. Yes, it looks like fun, and it is. I put in a lot of hours, like, every day to make sure my lines are secure. Yeah, it's... It's a lot of time at home, you know, learning my lines, reinforcing my lines, reviewing my lines, so I can be free to have fun on stage. So it's the work that goes on behind the scenes that enable you to have the freedom and performance to, to adapt when, when things go differently. You know, we're all human. People forget things. Anything, you know, anything can happen. Sets can fall down, you can fall down, people can miss their entrances. I mean, anything that you could imagine going wrong can and sometimes does go wrong. So the more secure you are, the better prep, like, well, I learned this from Fred Astaire. You practice, practice, practice so that it's so deep in your mind and in your muscle memory that you give the impression of ease on stage. Or, so that's what I hope for, you know, that it, you don't see the work, it just looks like the fun. And I can just really get into, like, expressing that character and what's going on in the story of, you know, in their life and the story of the play as, as well as I can. My one story of mistakes, I never made <laughs> But I, I was in one play my entire life, and I think I told you that my mom, um, yes. she was an actress in a local mm -hmm. theater group. She talked me into being an arsenic and old lace. Ah. Okay, and I was the dead body that was in the <laughs> trunk that they lifted out. And if you've ever heard of Cal Thomas. I think uh, I have it. He's, he's a conservative host. Oh, I was thinking of something different. Yeah, he's he's a guy who's a little bit right of Attila the Hun. Okay. okay. <laughs> but anyway, he was in the play too, and him and the other bad guy or whatever they were, they were to lift me out of, I was a lot lighter in those days, they were to lift me out of this box, and my shoe was to come off. Okay, and I practiced it as much as you can practice having the shoe yeah. dangle on your foot and come off. Well, one of the performances, the shoe didn't come off. And they dropped me on the floor, and the shoe's still on my foot. And I'm thinking, oh, what are they going to do? <laughs> well, one of them took the shoe and moved it over and said, look, his shoe came off. <laughs> that was my mistake, and they covered for me. Yeah, he was thinking in the moment. <laughs> he sure was. I, I also like that you said about trusting your instincts. It's taken a long time. Yes, it has. I don't know about other other performers or artists. Yeah, that that question about the inner critic. Yes, the inner critic still is alive and well. However, thinks I mean, there's some good things about getting older and gaining experience. I have come through for myself enough times. I've had experience of when I've listened to my instincts and gone with it versus when I don't listen to my instinct, maybe listen to some outside voice or... Uh, let fear take over, it has bad results. So I found, you know, if I'm feeling it, even if I can't explain it logically, I should go with that feeling. Um, I should trust that instinct because it's right. I've done a lot of, done a lot of work and I have a lot of experience. So, I mean, I know this isn't based on, on nothing. It's, it's in me. But yeah, to trust yourself is a, is a hard thing to do, but a really good thing to do. Well, and and you've probably earned it. Well, I hope so. <laughs> I, I've done you know I've done a lot. I have a lot of experience. I've taught a lot of people this stuff, and I have directed so many shows. And my performing days, I was were mostly in my you know my young adulthood. So that's why I'm so thrilled that here I am at at this point in my life, and I get to be back on stage. So far, it's going it's going well, and I'm enjoying the response I get from from the audience. Yeah, I think the audience the other night really enjoyed your role. Oh, she, she's fun. She's kind of the wild, the wild child, you know, that you have, that you have inside. You know, no matter how old we are, maybe I'm speaking just for myself, but you know, I always try to connect with something in a character. Do you know? Am I a bar hopping drunk pill popper in real life? <laughs> no. There, it, there. I do have, you know memories of when maybe some of that stuff did happen you know partying when you're a young adult or the the idea that what it did, what if you weren't bound by your age and you just did whatever you wanted to do that was kind of Katie in honky tonk laundry yeah <laughs> that sums that up so what about rules 
So I know there's rules of art, there's rules of third, and yada, 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 yeah. which I never pay attention to. You know, I was, I was taught by people I really respect. And they had very, you know, theater does have rules, and some of them are pretty strict. One of the big ones is, you know, you're not supposed to talk. You're not supposed to turn your back to the audience. You're supposed to, and I'm, that rule for me is, is important because I'm doing this for an audience, and I want to share my voice and my face and my body with them so they can participate in the story I'm telling. That's a rule I keep. Sometimes... Um, you can bend, you know, I th you have to know the rules well in order to bend them or maybe even break them. That's a common theme for it everybody is. we ask this question to. Yeah, that's why, I mean, I was trained in ballet. It's very strict. You know, when I broke out into other forms of dance in my 20s because I realized um, I'm not going to be a ball well, late teens. I'm not going to be a ballerina. I'm just not built for it. And I don't want to starve myself to the extent that they have to do. And I was, you know, I'm short. No, I just, I, then I realized through dance, especially in a contemporary dance, you know, what ballet holds as rules for movement, you can break them and still, you know, and still create meaningful and beautiful dance. Acting, sometimes people, there's highbrow, lowbrow theater, highbrow theater, more intellectual theater. I love it. I like to attend it, but it's hasn't found a following here in Mesquite. We are, you know, we're working to expand our, our offerings, but, uh, you know, our audience really likes comedies, and I want to make them happy. So sometimes I wrote about what I did. I break the third wall. The third wall, you're supposed to, like, when you're acting, it, you're supposed to be like you're in a supposedly you're in a room and the opening of the stage is really an invisible wall and we're supposed to pretend that there's not an audience there and you don't acknowledge the audience and you're not playing for an audience that's for realism um, realistic theater but since we're not doing strictly realism I mean the honky-tonk laundry no, not realism, but I, in all the plays I've done here, we've been, you know, you can break that convention of the third wall. You can look at the audience, you can talk to the audience, you can respond in the moment to what an audience says, and yes, we break that rule. But I think it's, you know, that participation between audience and actor is really one of the joys for me, and I think the audience enjoys it too. And so we're like, we can't have a show without the audience. They are so important to it. The difference between performing like Honky Tonk Laundry with a, an empty audience and then performing it with an audience is like night and day. To feel that energy come back at you, to hear the laughs, you know, when I'm out actually out in the audience to see the smiles and the responses and um, the waves and um, just, it, it's just, it's a high, I have to say. It's... It really, it just charges me up. So let me ask you, did you say that, was there any live theater during COVID where there wasn't anybody in the audience? I haven't, like our theater, our Mesquite Theater was closed down. We started rehearsal for Drama at the Diner, which was a melodrama during, during the tail end of COVID and we were all in mass. We all had to have our vaccinations. It was different, but you know, we, we really were all committed to making, you know, to having a show. And we were up to the last minute, we weren't sure whether the audience had to wear a mask or not. And I believe they did it first. And then as we were able to, but I went to theater during COVID in Utah, <laughs> but I, I wore a mask and that wasn't a problem. But it was so wonderful to come back to the theater after COVID, even as, a, as an audience member. Just, I was so excited. There's nothing like it. I love teaching high school because you, you feel yourself changing their lives and they'll tell you you're changing my life and you see them come from a place of being a loner, no friends, feeling like a weirdo to I'm one of the family, uh, you know, I'm, my, my difference is celebrated here. People think I'm special and wonderful because of who I am. But yeah, that when you, you know the kids are so into it, they don't want to stop practicing. That's a wonderful feeling. Yeah, absolutely. You've been around doing theater. Have you ever been censored? Yes. 
I mean, as the director. Yes, <laughs> I have been. One time, I'm, I'm used, like, I, I was a high school drama teacher first in a Catholic school, then Simi Valley, California, where I spent the last 20 years of my teaching drama life, is a very conservative community, very religious community. Uh, we, are, uh, Simi Valley is the home of the Reagan Library, and we had very careful principles. I was doing a, char- well, a, a Durang play, Christopher Durang. It's a little edgy. There were some gay characters, but it wasn't anything, there was nothing vulgar about it. They just happened to be gay. The day of the performance, I was told there can be no mention of any gay character. And I said, how, how can I do that? There, there's mention of it throughout the whole play. And I was devastated. How can I make this performance ready by tonight? The kids have worked so hard, they, they'll be devastated if we have to cancel the play. What can I do? I don't know where this idea came from, but I just, anytime there was a reference to any gay character, I said that they were uh, Buddhist monks or Buddhist nuns. And that's what we did. And the audience was a bit confused. Those of us who were in on the joke, you know, still laughed, but... Um, but yeah, uh, I've had to. I've had to do like I've had to cut out. High school audiences live for the kiss in a musical. I was I was told at one point that I could not have my leads kiss, and that's the payoff. Um, I mean, this is sweet mainstream stuff. Grease or Carousel or Oklahoma. I mean, you know, they're getting married and they kiss, or they realize they're in love with each other and they kiss at the end of the show. That is one of the things that started making me question if I wanted to continue. Yes, I've always had to like be concerned about about language. Even um, at the Catholic school, even dances, you know, what movements were considered too vulgar, what costumes were considered um, inappropriate. I've always had to think about that. Family friendly all the way. I'm, I'm speechless, yeah. Yeah, that's one of the things I would I would love to I, at some point, it would be fun to do an adult play for adults um, and not have to worry about some of those things because uh, sometimes a darn is just not as good as, you know, a, more, a stronger version. I see I'm even censoring myself here because I don't want to offend anyone. But uh, yeah, that's the thing. It kind of gets into your mind and you start doing it to yourself, which, you know, which limits you. Um, because you stop yourself from going down avenues that could be really interesting creatively because you're worried about what people might think. I was worried about what people would think about honky-tonk laundry because of uh, some of the language and, uh, you know, the, the drinking and the pill-taking. Um, I, was, I was concerned. Um, I wondered how it would go. But it's theater. It's art. It is. I mean, that's why I'm prepared. I'm prepared as an audience member, and I love to be go to theater. I want to experience. I want to feel. I want to see humanity. I want to, I you know, in all its glory and tragedy. I, I want to, you know, I go to theater because I want to feel something. If you gloss over some of these, maybe more raw, situations or emotions. You, you you cheat your, you you get cheated a little bit I think. Yeah. I, I I just wait for the day and we've both sat here and bantied about um, a gay character. Yes. When does it have to not be a gay character anymore? When can it just be a character? What 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 when then that when can that character be George or Sally or and that's just Billy one of the just a spectrum of that community. I'm hoping soon that was well I'm a. I'm, I don't know if you know this show, but I'm a Schitt's Creek fan. I love that show. But it was, they had a, they created a world. It was, it, it's a TV show. It's not, it's running, but you could still see it, but you, it's, they're not producing any new episodes. But it was a world in which some people were gay, some people were straight. It was just part of the whole spectrum of that community. And, and it wasn't, it wasn't a, a big deal. Uh, it was just, well, that's, you know, that's, that's our next door neighbor. He, you know, he's gay or there's, you know, my son's gay or whatever. It wasn't a big deal. It would be nice. It would be nice, and maybe one day. We can only keep pushing. Joy, do you believe every time you step on stage, or every time you direct, or whatever you do in the theater, that's a self-portrait? The short answer is yes, especially 
Well, parts of parts of you are are definitely you know even if it's a character that's very different from you, I always I always look for connections. I always look for things that we share in common. And you're bringing as an actor, my artist tool is my my face and my body in my mind, and you can see my face and body, and so and those are things that I could change to a degree with makeup, wigs, costume, but essentially that's my tool. That's going to be with me no matter what I do. You know, I have to I have to take that into account. But I always look like I try to I have a mental script going when I'm performing and I make up a story about this character and I create, you know, I create a story about where they come from and what motivates them. And my experience is going to come into that. My attitude, like when I'm directing, my attitude is going to you're not going to see me but you will see my attitude and I tend to be a positive, energetic, sometimes funny person. And yet I feel a lot. I really identify with, you know, the our humanity, you know, how we're we, we try to put on a good appearance, but all of us have our frailties and vulnerabilities inside and, and that's beautiful. And th- those are the things that connect us. So those kinds of things in my in my mind and my experience are going to come through in things I direct as well. Joy, what gets your juices flowing? Okay, picking picking a new play, reading plays like we were were thinking about well, the play we're do, the plays we're doing now were chosen by us last this past summer, and I read and read and read. I love thinking about new projects. Um, I'm hoping that I can. I've read some great mysteries, and I think Mesquite is ready for some mysteries. I read a great Sherlock Holmes one that I want, I'd love to do. I read an Agatha Christie one uh, that I would love to do. I shared it with my book club at the library, and they're all for it. So I love the prospect of new, uh, new, new productions, new plays. I love the rehearsal process. For me, that is playtime, which is not to say that we just goof around and and don't do anything. We we're creating. We're we're reacting off each other, and we're creating this new world. Um, and the friendships and the bonds you make as human beings while you're working together is fantastic. I love that. Just the joy of trying things together and laughing about it. Or you, sometimes it's more dramatic, and you go, "Oh, that really worked. Did you feel that?" Those moments are wonderful. I love doing the children's theater workshop in the summer that kids are so excited and you know I was I choreographed last summer's productions they were just so ready so eager want couldn't do enough to to please tried try you know they they just wanted more 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 give us more that kind of enthusiasm is really that gets my juices going and they're feeling like when they know they've they've done something really good and they know they have that pride of accomplishment that gets my juices going because that being part of that process is is inspirational yeah and I, I think we're pretty lucky that we've incorporated the children's group into the virgin valley artists association yeah and i, I know that bob mitzi you we're well this is this is comes from mitzi's mitzi bender is um a she is a big idea person and she dares to dream big and we had hoped and we've talked about we would really love a a, a way to to help train these kids uh, you know training for any art takes time and it, it cannot it can't happen in two three weeks you can influence them quite a bit but to build skills takes time we were hoping to find a way to trained kids during the year so they'd be ready for big challenges in the summer um, with the big musicals that we do. Um, I'm, I'm really excited about, about our partnership with that. Yeah, I like that idea that they don't audition for a show or a play and not get in and then that's it. Yeah, okay. no, so they're in, all in. They're in, you're doing training, you're doing yeah. specific classes. Yeah, any kid that wants to, to be a part of that, they can be a part of that, and it's it's free. And, you know, people don't think there's children and families in Mesquite, and they're, like, if you were at Shriek Rika, which I was working that, 
you saw so many children and all the children in the summer theater program and in these classes at, offered at the arts center there are lots of children that need uh, need something you know positive to be a part of and um, i'm grateful that we're able to be offering that yeah, and i bet thousands of kids came by the art gallery we, we had a, a little thing at Shriek Rika yeah. and they were all so well-mannered and nice even the older kids yes yeah my experience has been nothing but positive I've I've loved the kids they are they're wonderful it's like oh my gosh from the little the littlest ones that can barely tie their shoes up to you know teenagers that are about to graduate all wonderful to work with and I just am hoping that we get even more because we're doing some great shows. They, you know, this summer we're going to be doing Little Mermaid and Annie. Oh, okay. It's their big shows, and we need people, and um, there is a place for for any kid who wants to be a part of it. Yeah, and you mentioned summer. We yes. Just, we just got out of 116 degrees, and you're bringing it back up again. Well, that's part of my. I, that's how I think. What, what, <laughs> what's the next show? What's my next project? That's what gets my. That's what gets my juices going. And it's funny you should say you bring back to me. I coached ice hockey. The games were so precious all the time. There was a lot of pressure. Practices were fun. I love practice. Yep, that's the difference. Yeah, you have you have more. You know, in the, in a rehearsal, you have m much more wiggle room. Um, and, you know, you have to perform, you have to deliver the goods in a game situation or a performance situation. Everything that traffic will allow. Nowhere could you get that happy feeling when you are stealing that I think one of the biggest things for an artist is encouragement along the way. You know, being, being recognized by, by teachers, by coaches, by audience members, by uh, in your community is a big big deal and you wouldn't continue along in your art most people wouldn't I know I wouldn't have if you didn't get encouragement along the way someone telling you you know you're good at this I love to dance and people dance teachers encouraged me and gave me scholarships along the, along the way and people sought me out to hire me that gave me encouragement like Maybe I'm. Maybe I have a talent here. In college, I got. I got. I still have it. It's a beautiful bronze Shakespeare head from Community College for best newcomer. In in college, I you know I I was top of my class in theater. I was very I was very proud of that. My awards, since I wasn't in like competitive theaters, not well. You can do theater competitively. I personally in my my teaching career chose not to do that because when you're in a competitive theater you're preparing your students for competition you have to take your focus off production and for me I made the choice to focus on productions so my kids would do five six plays a year and all my focus was on producing plays so they could do well in those so reviews became like a validation for the work I put in when they were you know when they were positive they always were um, and I'm not trying to brag but they always were and that made me feel good I a lot of my students have gone on to to become professionals in the theater and performance world I'm very proud of that I have a student who's a choreographer for Disney and other places I have students who are professional clowns and own their own and are running their own company um, I have a student who just self-released uh, self an album. I have another student who has his own acting studio in Thousand Oaks. So that's part of my, my validation too. Students that, that have made it and are thankful for the influence I was able to give them along the way. I'm really proud of that. Joy, do you dream about your art? Yes, <laughs> I do. I dream at night. I Unfortunately, I dream... I dream about how to solve problems. Okay, if you're like me, if I'm, if I don't know whether it's a dream or I'm just laying there thinking, but if I think about something at night, I have to get up, turn on, go to the computer, write it down, because then I'll forget it. Uh, and that's my problem solving. Usually for me, it's it. Sometimes it takes me days to work through a problem. It's nebulous, and I and that's where meditation. Well, for me, meditation and prayer come in. I can visual like I have a really visual mind, and so when I'm reading or reading a play or reading anything really, there's a whole movie going on in my mind. 
when I'm thinking about sets and costumes and even acting and how the story is going to be come to life, I'm visual. I visualize it all. It's fully alive in my mind before. But you run into problems because I'm not a magician. I can't wave a magic wand and have everything just appear the way I want it to. So yeah, I. I do dream, I do meditate, I do, I do pray, I uh, allow myself some fermentation time to mull things over, because sometimes you just can't instantly come up with a solution in there. I used to think, well, you know, what's wrong with that? But you do need some time to mull things over sometimes to let it work in you um, if you have that luxury of time. Sometimes you're under time pressure, like in theater, uh, you know, their show has a definite opening date and you have to get things done. But um, yeah, I, that's part of that trusting instincts and uh, trusting yourself and the process and not panicking if things aren't instantly falling into place. Turning toward the future, what yeah. keeps you up at night? It, yeah. it, it might not be anything, so don't worry. Oh, about well, it. yeah, I, well, it. Oh, you did check it out. I can I can tell you. Well, I can tell you what did. I had to take on the role that I played in Honky Tonk Laundry uh, I was a replacement. I wasn't meant to be in the show. I was just meant to direct it. The other actress had to drop out for health reasons, and I had three weeks to take on being, you know, learning all the lines, learning all the songs, and there was 21 songs, well, maybe even a little more, maybe 22 songs in that show. You had three weeks. I had three weeks, um, and that, that pressure was enormous, I have to admit. I was frankly terrified um, I, because I I thought I could do it but it was I knew that it would take all of my concentration and so for three weeks all of my concentration was was turned towards learning that part and learning what I had to do for that part so everything in my life stopped the only thing I was doing was learning songs working with a vocal coach memorizing lines, getting getting my costumes refit. I mean, it was just a giant undertaking. Yes, that kept me up at night. I didn't sleep real well for three weeks. Which, follow-up question on that, because I thought about this when we came to the play. It's like, oh, she's in the play and she's the director. How did that work out? At, well, least, at least the last three weeks of it. Well, fortunately, I am married to a very talented man who was my stage uh, stage manager, my husband, Bob Craig officially known as Robert Craig. He would, had been my stage manager, and then stage managers are also assistant directors. So Bob became, you can't watch yourself. That's what I was thinking about. So Bob became, uh, became the director for all intents and purposes. I had staged the show. That means I'd, I'd, I'd created all the movement and, and given all the interpretations for lines and and created the dances um, and all that stuff. That was all set. I had to turn my attention totally to performing, and so Bob took over and got me through those last three weeks. Okay. <laughs> so there you go. I got the answer. I got yeah. the, little did I know I was going to get to ask that question. Oh, well, I'm a lucky lady. It's the pancakes, the flops, the sheriff who has got you out of town. The opening when your heart beats like a drum. Joy, as yes. we ask all of our guests, what's inspired you this week? I, I did kind of make a list. Um, I just finished watching a TV series called The Dairy Girls, and it's an Irish TV series. It, it's wildly com comedic, and at the very last episode, it's, it, was, uh, it, it, it got very, you know, and the, the, the actors are fabulous, and the writing's fabulous, and at the last episode, it was about uh, the peace, you know, vote, the Irish, Northern Irish voting for the peace treaty to end the, the war between them and um, the British and, and other parts of Ireland. And um, just the, 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 the comedic timing and the delivery and the writing and then the drama of it all really inspired me. I also just finished reading a book called The Four Winds by Kristen Hanna about the about the the Dust Bowl and the migrant's journey to California from a woman's point of view. I love historical fiction. I like history, thank God. It informs a lot of things I do. But I really, I, I love that book and it gave me new understanding of what that 
what the Dust Bowl was like, what it was like for the farmers that lived, lived in it and through it, what the migrant camps were like in California and how cruel the, the growers were and how the, the extent of the poverty they faced. A, a book called Memorization for Actors is one I just read. I, I want to keep learning always. And that gave me some new ideas for memorization and I'm gonna use, I'm using it already with my new cast for Hallelujah Girls that will be opening January 20th. And uh, we're gonna see, there's some new techniques, we're gonna see if it works. And the last one, I saw David Sedaris on 60 Minutes last night and he talked about writing and doing theater, how the, the com our common humanity, our common ordinariness that connects us is, you know, maybe people don't think that's a topic for, an interesting topic for writing but, or theater, but I find and he finds that our, our, our ordinary humanness is endlessly fascinating. And I think that's true. Why do we think about things like this as we get older? I don't know that I thought. Oh no! <laughs> I don't know that I would have thought that was interesting. Oh no! I, you have to be special and unique, um, but especially in in times like well, we've become a little divided. Um, I have to say, um, I'm sure this is not a new revelation. And I kind of I don't want to like at this point in my life I don't want um, conflict. I'm I'm seeking peace and connection. So I always try to remember, what do we share? What are the things that we share as human beings? Let's focus on, on those things because I don't, you know, I have many friends that are opposite of the spectrum on me, with me <laughs> politically, but they're, you know, I, I don't want to lose fact, the sight of the fact that they're wonderful people and we share many things in common and I want to keep, I want to keep that focus of commonality. Well, Robert. thank you so much for having me. Yes. I really it's been, it's been a uh, it's been fun and it's and I'm really honored. Thank you. Yeah, we really appreciate it. <laughs> and we look forward to more plays. Woohoo. Well, you won't have to wait long. <laughs> and and we look forward to our young actors. Yes. You know, who are are going to be trained by you, Bob, yeah. Mitzi. We're going to pass on everything we know. So, Joy, thank you very much for coming in. Well, thank you. We appreciate it. And hopefully you'll be back again. Oh, awesome. That'd be great. I know everything about it is appealing. Everything that traffic will allow. Nowhere could you get that happy feeling when you are stealing that extra bow. There's no people like show people. They smile when they are alone. Yesterday they told you you would not go far. That night you open and there you are. Next day on your dressing room they hung a star. Let's go on with the show. The costumes, the scenery, the makeup, the props, the audience that lifts you when you're down. The headaches, the heartaches, the backaches, the flops, the sheriff who escorts you out of town. The opening when your heart beats like a drum. The closing when the customers don't come. There's no business like show business, like no business I know. You get word before the show has started That your favorite uncle died at dawn On top of that, your pawn might have parted You're broken-hearted, but you go on There's no people like show people They smile when they are alone Even with a turkey that you know will fold You may be stranded out in the cold Broadcasting from Mesquite, Nevada, in the scenic Mojave Desert, the Art Box sponsors thank you for listening. To find our next and past podcasts, visit us online at mesquitefineartcenter.com.